Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hogbeat Hour brought to you by hogbeat.com and the Rivals Network. I'm Nikki Chavanel, managing editor here with Andrew Hutchinson, our lead team reporter. Um, Hutch, we didn't get to see any of the first fall camp scrimmage yesterday, but we did get to talk to Sam Pittman and Isaiah Nichols and Traylon Smith after the scrimmage. And, you know, it sounded like, you know, they gave us a good amount of detail. So for us to like discern how it actually went and it sounds like the offense had a pretty good day and uh, the defense was a, a little worn out a little tired uh, they had a few big plays um, just just go over real quick the big plays that they had it was a 125 snap scrimmage 50 for the first group 50 for the second group and 25 for the threes um, so yeah hit us with the uh, big plays yeah, it sounded like Felipe Franks had a really good day. Uh, Sam Pittman said it was his most accurate day of camp so far. Uh, he had four touchdown passes. I believe two of them were to Hudson Henry, uh, the tight end, and then one apiece to Traylon uh, Burks and Mike Woods. Uh, K.J. Jefferson also had a touchdown pass to Davion Warren. Uh, but it sounds like he did a lot of damage uh, with his legs. Uh, of course, we know how, how talented of a runner he is. So, uh, those were were maybe the big plays on offense. Traylon Smith did tell us that he had a rushing touchdown. We really don't know what the other running backs did, other than the fact that Rakeem Boyd only had two or three, maybe four carries. Uh, they're trying to keep him healthy because he, he's your uh, he's your stud. So uh, defensively, uh, it sounds like uh, Julius Coates had another really uh, big. Uh, day of, of camp you know he's he's been really getting after the quarterback uh, showing really good pass rush uh, he is a large human being having stood next to him uh, ever so briefly during a uh, one of the open portions this past week uh, you really get a sense of like man this this is a large dude uh, almost kind of looks like a basketball player but I mean, he's he's thick but he, he is every bit of, of six six is how he's listed on the roster and, and I believe it so uh, it doesn't include his massive hair, right? Exactly. He's got some in incredible hair on top of that. So uh, then also uh, there were two uh, fumbles. Uh, they were forced by Dion Edwards, uh, backup linebacker. And then the other one, it sounds like it was maybe the bigger play on defense was Monteric Brown coming up with a fumble near the uh, goal line. And he managed to not only force it, but also recover it. I think uh, Sam Pittman described it as a magnificent play. So uh, those were kind of maybe the highlights based on, again, what we were told since we weren't allowed to, to go watch it ourselves. Right. I got a review from someone who was out there watching practice like very early on in the scrimmage, and they were like, oh, the offense looks good. The defense looks really bad. And I was just like, yikes. <laughs> but it sounds like they picked it up a little bit. I understand that, you know, it's the first one. So you have to kind of just get used to playing that many snaps in a row um, again after such a long break. Didn't get to have spring football, of course, like many schools around the country. Sam Pittman said that, you know, I don't know what these guys were doing in scrimmages before, but they weren't, they weren't really ready for this. And a lot of that had to do with their conditioning um, and just the fact that they haven't played for such a long time. But it sounds like it was a more hard-nosed, tough, scrimmage than they've had in a while uh do you think Pittman was kind of like throwing a dig in there or or does he not even realize that kind of stuff no I, I think he truly is I mean as, as he said he he doesn't know what the the scrimmages were like in the past he just knows that 
the way he likes to be, even though he did bring in a Kendall Bryles who has kind of the, the more modern offense, but he's still at heart. Sam Pittman is a hard-nosed, uh, blue-collar type of coach, and that's kind of what uh, he wanted to do. So I think that's just, that's just Sam being Sam. Uh, I don't think it was any type of jab. Uh, but I know Arkansas fans, that's, that's how they're going to see it. And they may, maybe the Arkansas fans are wrong in seeing it that way. I, I think they do need to get a little bit tougher, as we've seen, uh, not just the last two years, but even before with, you know, Brett Bielema, who is supposed to be a similar style coach, it's hard-nosed and tough and everything, but they weren't necessarily always tough in the fourth quarter, and, and that got them a few times. So it's, it's been a while since they've been a, a true tough four-quarter team. Yeah, we're still one month out as well from the season. So there's a, a ton of work for them left to do. They started off really easy. I mean, they just put full pads on for the first time this week, I think on Tuesday. So it's kind of to be expected at this point. And then also, I think the defense not looking as good is is kind of expected as well. Like the offense has all these pieces returning. Uh, you add Felipe Franks, who's a better quarterback than anyone that they've had in, in the past couple of years. Um, you have Rakeem that he didn't even have to play, but uh, they, they still have solid depth with Traylon Smith and Josh Oglesby, who sounds like he's getting a lot of love from the coaches. And uh, Traylon said that he just, you know, he gets in the hole and he bursts out with that, you know, 10-3-8 or something like that, that kind of 100-meter speed. Um, Hudson Henry, let's talk about him because he did have two touchdowns on the day, but Sam Pittman made it very clear that, um, there we don't know who's going to start there we don't really know who our best player is we're just trying to find two guys uh, who can deliver for us um, I mean it makes sense to me because you know Hudson is still very young um, you know he's probably only now like the size that he needs to be um, and then Blake Kern he just has a lot more experience yeah he's a former walk-on but he played a bunch of snaps um, as a blocking tight end last season um, and just in general, he's had more experience blocking his whole career. So it makes sense to me. And Kendall Bryles, in his offense, you're in, you know, 11 personnel a lot. So just one tight end. Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But a lot of people, you know, Hudson Henry was, you know, heralded as just going to be as good or even better than his brother. So I think a lot of people are surprised that he just hasn't, like, automatically jumped and, and grabbed that first team role. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because he does have those expectations of his brother, and his brother is arguably the best tight end in school history. I mean, he was a Mackey Award winner, consensus All-American. It, it's going to be tough to live up to those expectations, but I still think he could be a good receiver. I just think he's a little bit different style. His brother, not only was he a fantastic receiving tight end, but he could also really block, and uh, I'm not sure if, if Hudson is quite – to that level yet I mean he could be eventually uh, but as you said Blake Kern is is a definite blocker but is he going to be a guy that can catch passes I mean he, he could maybe catch you know some short passes in the flat you know kind of as a relief valve or something like that uh, but it is interesting to see kind of what they have you know Nathan Bax he's a walk-on transfer from Illinois State the FBS or FCS level uh, what, what do they have in him what do they have and Blaine Toll has gone back to tight end again. Uh, they've tried Eric Thomas, another defensive player at tight end. So who the heck knows what that tight end room is going to look like. It's definitely thin, so you'd have to think Hudson Henry's still going to get a lot of reps. Uh, just a matter of how much of the playbook can they do 
with him in the game? Can can he do handle the blocking schemes and things of that nature? Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything about ra- ratings and rankings and stuff and recruiting. I'm like, I'm not an analyst. But back when Hudson Henry was the number one tight end in, in the nation and then he, he dropped down, like, I think to maybe 10 or, or 12 in the nation, a lot of people were upset. Um, people thought it was because, you know, he hadn't come out to our camps. Like, uh, they're just, you know, they're shitting on him because he didn't show up to our camps and he doesn't want to compete, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you would expect someone who was the number one tight end in the nation to play right away. And here we are saying that, not only after one season, but even going into his second year, he still hasn't like grabbed that role. So maybe sometimes they do know what they're talking about with with how they rank guys. You just kind of have to wait and see how they play. You can't just automatically, you know, hail someone to to no end just because their brother was, you know, as good as he is. And I think that's the problem is that early on he got that, that number one rating just because people knew who he was. They went out, yeah. they went to a hunter and they're like, Oh, Hey, who, who's this little brother of yours? And you know, he's got it. And everyone say, Oh, Hey, he's got a chance to be better than an older brother. I mean, it, it happens all the time. We saw it with uh, the Allen brothers before you got here, uh, you know, Brandon and Austin Allen, uh, they were saying, Oh, well, Austin's going to be way better. And I mean, you know, who knows how it, could have turned out but I mean it's just it's hard when you when your older brother has been so good you get all these expectations every now and then you see him exceed those expectations but uh, it's not a guarantee by any means and so I, I do think that maybe the the rating where he ended up uh, was 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 fair I don't think they were just you know bagging on him because he was committed to Arkansas or that as you mentioned he didn't go to camps or anything I think they truly just said you know we're not quite sure if he's as polished and ready to come in and, and contribute immediately. Uh, but he was still a four-star, so, I mean, they, they're, they're not like they're telling us he was yeah. terrible. Uh, and I think he still has a chance to be a very solid player for Arkansas, just maybe not Hunter Henry level. Now, Felipe Franks, how nice is it to hear that he has just taken hold of this offense? He's executing well. Sam Pittman said it was his most accurate day so far fall camp. Hallelujah. <laughs> but he's not we the starter have... yet. <laughs> nah, I mean, we, we all know he is. I don't know. I mean, it's it, it just seems kind of like like Sam Pittman was like, do you, get, do you guys want us to announce it before? Would that be fun for you? And we're like, well, yeah, kind of would, Coach. Uh, but he's going to do whatever he wants to do. He said on Fine Bomb that, you know, Georgia hasn't told us who they're going to start, so we're not going to tell them. Uh, you had a nice story on that this week. Um, another good story you wrote was about the offensive line. Um, based on what we saw from the film, it looked like your first team was pretty spot on, right? Yeah, I think the I think the first and second team was as we expected. They've been kind of shuffling guys around. Uh, you know, Ty Clary and Ricky Stromberg are going at it for for the center spot, but it looks like Ricky Stromberg is is the leader there, uh, much to Arkansas fans' delight. Um, and then you've got guys like, you know, uh, Marcus Henderson has kind of been a little bit of a surprise. It seems like he is still the second team left tackle, uh, behind Myron Cunningham. Uh, you know, we didn't really get to see a ton from the film that they released. I think that was by design. They didn't want to give us too much. Uh, so I couldn't exactly tell what the right side of the line is, but I would assume it is still Bo Limmer at guard and Noah Gatlin at tackle. 
although Brady Latham has gotten some action at, at first team right tackle. Uh, you know, one guy we haven't really seen much of is Dalton Wagner, which is a little bit of a surprise considering I, I think he started all 12 games at right tackle last year. Uh, so who, who knows what, what could happen there. Uh, but you've got, I think I saw where uh, Shane Clinton was still with the second team group, which kind of indicates that Luke Jones was the first team left guard. Uh, so it seems to kind of be taking shape. Uh, things could still change. I think we're still about a couple of weeks away, maybe a week and a half away from when Sam Pittman has said that he would like to, to finalize his, his top five guys and then, you know, who's number six, who's number seven, who's number eight. Brady Latham, to me, is a huge surprise. He's from Jenks, Oklahoma, and when I first saw him at a game um, his senior year, I was like, this, this kid doesn't look that physically impressive, but, uh, you know, he's put weight on, um, and I guess, you know, Jenks is a really good program, so I'm sure he was more technically sound than I could really pick up on from watching him, um, so kudos to him, and then also Marcus Henderson. He started off, like, really hot um, in high school, and then, I don't know, I guess teams backed off of him, so his rating slipped a little bit, but already running with the twos at left tackle, like, that is a big deal for a true freshman, um, so it's kind of exciting. It looks like, you know, for the most part, the freshmen that Sam Pittman brought in were, were winners. I'm not sure where Ray Curry's at right now, but um, and we know Jalen St. John needs to take a little bit of weight off, but, you know, great that Sam Pittman's first offensive line class already has a couple guys, like, kind of contributing a little bit. And that's not surprising, uh, just knowing Sam Pittman's history. When, when he was hired here as the offensive line coach, uh, when when Brett Bielema was the head coach back in 2013, uh, his first class included a couple of guys named Denver Kirkland and Dan Skipper. And it was, I think, four or five games into the season, uh, both of those guys were starters. Uh, that I think they were both at, I want to say they were the two guards or something like that. Uh, but they, they were in the starting lineup as freshmen and pretty much started throughout their entire careers. So Sam Pittman knows what he's doing. He knows how to evaluate. Those guys were a little bit more heralded than, than the guys he brought in this year. But if, if Sam Pittman tells me Marcus Henderson is a good offensive lineman, I'm going to take his word for it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the defensive line, you talked about Julius Coates a little bit, but um, it sounds like Sam Pittman has a lot of confidence in uh, Jonathan Marshall, Xavier Kelly, and Dorian Gerald as well. So, um, and, and with the extra year of eligibility, we could see all these guys back again which is pretty nuts um, and would be really great for like continuity on the defensive line and just kind of like getting the guys behind them up to speed. Like I think Enoch Jackson, Torian Carter, Marcus Miller, Andy Boykin, all those guys, they could really benefit from this year and even next year if they don't need to be thrown in there, like having Xavier Kelly and um, Jonathan Marshall able to come back like that. For that specific group, I think it's a really big deal. Um, and then Monteric Brown, we talked about him because he had the uh, uh, the knocked out ball and, and recovery. But Jerry Jacobs has been the corner receiving, I think, a lot of praise in the past couple weeks. Um, he had a couple picks last week. Um, there was one video of him getting torched by Mike Woods on just like a straight route. Um, there wasn't much like, uh, you know, back and forth of the line. So I'm not sure how reflective 
that is of like his ability to cover one-on-one it sounds like he's been doing better than that in practice but i know people were were worried when they saw that straight line speed yeah i mean i i hate to put too much stock into these video highlights that the u of a is sharing because it's like maybe three or four minutes of a two-hour practice and so we have no idea what the other five six seven eight reps before that looked like and maybe jerry jacobs had just defended, you know, four or five of those go routes in a row, and, and maybe he right. was just tired. I mean, who knows? Who knows what happened on that? Maybe he just kind of – I don't know. Who, there, there's no telling what could happen. So I, I caution people to put not put too much stock in it, but it does sound like he's having a good camp. He made a pretty nice play in the, the video they released from the scrimmage, uh, shedding a block on a screen and, and making a shoestring tackle on Mike Woods uh, that was I, – I personally was was impressed. So – uh, he he does sound like he's having a good camp. I think they were really hoping he would come in and start somewhere. I'm a little bit surprised that it's at corner because they did have two returners coming back, plus you know several talented guys uh, in the just in the depth kind of behind those guys coming back. I thought maybe he might challenge Greg Brooks at nickel, uh, but it sounds like Greg's kind of held him off, and and J- Jacobs has has taken over for for Jarquez McClellan. So. Uh, it's been interesting, uh, but it sounds like he's he's going to be a, a, a solid solid guy in the secondary for Arkansas. He has a lot of confidence about him, and he was really good at Arkansas State at a time when Arkansas State is a pretty successful Sun Belt program. So even though you don't normally or ever see someone make the jump from Arkansas State to Arkansas, it seems like he's like really the perfect addition for them. Um, and we saw in 22 snaps at Georgia, like that's not very many, but in 22 snaps, he had a really high coverage grade, like higher than what the Arkansas secondary averaged last season against SEC opponents. So uh, a really great addition for them that they needed. Um, Going into next week, they'll have practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then another scrimmage on Friday. Uh, Sam Pittman says he expects that one to be a lot better because they know what to expect. They'll know how many snaps they're going to play approximately. And just like, you know, they'll have another week of practice under their belt. But by this point, there's a lot of positions solidified, which I think is a real positive uh, because, you know, we're a month out, but already having everyone kind of where they're going to be at, except for Blaine Toll, poor guy, moving back and forth. Um, Yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's gone so far. Yeah, I mean, it sounds right now, just based on what Sam Pittman said uh, on after the scrimmage, was it's, I think, the two positions where they're really trying to still solidify things, you know, in addition to figuring out exactly where the offensive line is, I think they're pretty close on that, uh, is, is tight ends. They haven't named a starter. You know, we talked extensively about Hudson Henry already, uh, but what that's going to look like. And then at linebacker, I think that's the other position. And, and I think a big part of that is Levi Draper. I mean, we haven't seen him in the two. We got to see open portions of practice on on Monday and Tuesday, and we didn't see him. We haven't seen him in any of the clips. I have looked extremely closely at the clips that they have have shared. I have not seen him. Uh, Don't know what the deal is there, if it's injury or whatever. Uh, But if they can get him in the mix, I think that's when they're really going to figure out what it looks like right now. I mean, for, for what we've seen, it looks like Bumper Pool and Grant Morgan are the starters. And, and it honestly seems like Deion Edwards and Andrew Parker 
a little bit of a surprising uh, name there are the are the twos. Uh, I don't know what where Hayden Henry sits in all this. I don't know if he's maybe just like the you know the strong side linebacker who comes in when they they get out of the nickel or what. Uh, but I I assume he's going to contribute this year. He's a senior. Uh, he's experienced, uh, but probably not a starter. Uh, Grant Morgan has been solid, I would say, as as a backup throughout his career, backing up Scooter Harris. He Can always he plays really hard. He does. He, I mean, that that's just that's a that's a Morgan trait. I mean, that's how yeah. his brother was, Drew. Uh, he's undersized, but he goes balls to the wall a hundred percent of the time. Uh, so, but but can he do that in the SEC as a starter? I don't know. Well, we we won't know until he tries to do it. So, yeah, they got to figure out the depth at linebacker. Uh, got to figure out the depth at tight end. And I think that last scrimmage on Friday is going to be a, a big big t- uh, telling point for them. What's kind of exciting is you have like guys like Mateo Soli and Zach Williams who got a lot of snaps last year, and they don't have to be the starter but they can still come in and provide like a lot of really good snaps. Um, And I don't think last year they had as many, you know, twos that were really ready to come in, especially with how many true freshmen they had to play. So overall, it's just looking like the team has more experience, more depth. Um, Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes next week. Well, we won't see, but other people will. Um, you wrote a really good story this week that was about uh, the staff differences, and this is something that the fans like to hear a lot. So just go through what, you know, the players told us this past week about Sam Pittman versus Chad Morris. I think the most telling quote, uh, in my opinion, was, was I think it was Traylon Burks had said something about, you know, Sam Pittman, he really cares about his players. And I think that I don't necessarily know if that was a, a dig at Chad, but it, it kind of sounded like it. Uh, Traylon doesn't sound – is not the kind of guy personality-wise, based on my interactions with him, to, to take a dig like that. Uh, but it does sound like Sam Pittman has a better connection to the whole team from top to bottom, whether it be a Traylon Burks or Rakeem Boyd or the walk-on third-string long snapper. It doesn't matter. Uh, it seems like he's got a really good – uh, relationship with the team from top to bottom. And uh, then more from a, a football standpoint, the the practices, I even noticed this before Dorian and Gerald told us this in the interviews, uh, but I noticed that, one, the music isn't blaring at all times. Yes, it's going on during the warm-ups and stretches and things like that, but when we're in there watching them do individual drills, there's no music and there's a lot, at least on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of individual instruction and teaching, uh, trying to get guys better. The, the coaches aren't afraid to stop a drill after a couple of guys and say, hey, you need to do it this way, this way, that way. Uh, so it just seemed like there's a lot more methodical teaching. They're not just going 100 miles an hour all the time to the point of they're not teaching anything. Uh, that was something that was the case last year doesn't appear to be the case this year. And, and sure enough, Dorian Gerald told us in the interviews that uh, he's learning a lot more technique this year and he's been coached a lot more this year than he was the last two years. That's it's a pretty he's damning statement. It's only been like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty damning statement if, if you're uh, the previous staff. Something I liked that Isaiah Nichols said yesterday and some other, you know, other Razorbacks have pointed out that Sam Pittman and the staff, they're kind of letting them lead themselves 
And that's something that you see from a lot of the really successful programs like Alabama, like you have a strength in court and, and, and conditioning staff that, you know, kind of sets the tone and the culture. But after that, like you rely on your seniors and your team leaders to pass the culture on to the other players. Um, you expect them to lead themselves and the players have to learn to want it more than the staff. Like the staff, of course, is going to motivate them. But if they're not trying for themselves and for their teammates, like you're, you're pretty much out of luck. And that's what I think happened a lot last year, especially, you know, past the first half when they were losing and stuff like that. Like they just couldn't lead from within. Um, and there was a lot of, you know, finger pointing and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously we haven't played any games yet, but already it sounds like they're just culturally in a better, in a better position and they have a fire like they've never had before. It's not just like, you know, like last year preseason, they're like, oh, we're going to shock the world. Like, yeah, we have heard we're going to shock the world already, <laughs> but it just sounds like they want it more than they have before. Yeah, and I think that also just comes from a, a trust of the coaches. Uh, they seem to, to really have bought into Sam Pittman and how real and genuine he is. You, you even sense it in, in Pittman's press conferences with us. I mean, he, he just sounds very real and down-to-earth, not fake. Uh, we've seen it. I know we're, we're going to play a clip here and, and a little bit of the, the players, uh, their statement with, regarding to the – the social justice issues that, that are currently facing our country. Uh, but Sam Pittman has been fully embracing of the entire team and has, has allowed them to speak up and, and address these things and, and very, be very real about it. I mean, we saw it back over the summer when there was the, the protest in Fayetteville. Uh, Sam Pittman attended the protest, but there were not, you know, some schools you'd see it all over their social media page, like, oh, look at our coach. He's marching with the players. He's such a, a great guy. Well, only reason we know Sam Pittman was there is because there was a blurry photo posted by someone on Twitter uh, that just happened to recognize him even though his mask was on. So uh, it just he just seems genuine, and, and I think the players have, have caught on to that. Yeah, before I play those clips, uh, yesterday, so we had, I think, Kentucky, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, um, Missouri, maybe, although I think they still practiced a bunch of schools were skipping practice to, you know, either go March or have a big team meeting or something like that. And I was worried that Arkansas was going to do the same thing when they had this scrimmage. Luckily, Sam Pittman knows how important these practices are. Not that like you can reschedule or anything, but like, I think, you know, you plan, you, you practice, you do all this stuff to get ready for the scrimmage. There's no reason why you really need to skip that. Like you can have a big team meeting, which they did um, Friday morning to talk about everything. Everyone had a chance to speak their mind and then you can still go take care of business. Like I know that that's a different message you're trying to send that like, you know, maybe these social issues are more important than football, but for Arkansas, I think that as important as that stuff is, they still need to get all these practices in practices in and when you plan like you do for these kinds of things I think you just have to stick to your schedule um let me play the clips from Isaiah Nichols and Traylon Smith real quick um today we had a powerful meeting with the group with the team um everybody got a chance to speak their mind and what was important to them and um as a team we decided that we were um going to be doing something next week we're going to create a movement you know 
just to show the people in, um, in the state of Arkansas and around the country that um, we care about the things that's going on in today's society with the um, police brutality, racial profiling and things like that. And um, so um, next week, sometime next week, we'll be doing something huge um, just to show the people that we care and that um, we're thinking about them as well. And we had a pretty powerful team meeting today, uh, you know, regarding the things that's been going on lately in this country, in this world. And, uh, you know, we want to we want to use our voice to as best as we can. And we want to call justice for the cops that killed Breonna Taylor and also the recent uh, the recent incidents that happened with Jacob Blake. You know, there's a lot of injustice and murder and bad things happening in the African-American community in this country. And we want to be able to use our voice. And I, I, I talked with the defense and we just came up with stuff we want to say like we're not we're here to bring people with us you know we're not trying to be neg like be negative and spread hate we just want to spread love and in this in these facilities is love we're a family you know and the coaches y'all talk to coach Pittman I'm sure y'all heard him uh they back us 100 percent with all with all this stuff going on and uh and we know that so we just want to be able to spread we want to be able to uh, make a difference and spread our love in this team throughout the rest of the country and the rest of the state to show people how we can, you know, come together as people, as humans. So, yeah, um, a lot of really, really good stuff from those guys. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, these, these football teams are predominantly African-American. It's a, a huge issue for um, society right now as we kind of, grapple with how certain people are are dealt with by you know police um and so i'm glad that you know they're able to have these meetings where uh players can speak their mind if they want to um and then if they don't want to they don't have to but they can listen to each other's perspectives and um they said that they are going to start some kind of movement next week we don't know what that's going to uh really contain um, I know that the university itself put together an initiative called Hogs United, uh, where they have like three different pillars where they'll, they'll educate themselves on social issues. Um, and then they'll, you know, actually take action on certain things like, you know, registering to vote and all that kind of stuff. So it sounds like from like a program standpoint, um, they're all aboard. And, and let's be clear, this stuff isn't very political like yes it does seem to be that one side is you know more vocal about this stuff but it's really a humanitarian issue and that is why i think even even mike leach who has expressed opinions that are you know to the right of the spectrum even he is able to come out and say i 100 percent support my players um, and i don't think it's a very hard thing for these coaches to do because their their whole team almost is african-american and they they coach them every single day to be better men so it's just one more part of that exactly and i think a football team is is kind of a, a perfect uh maybe environment for for this kind of thing to happen the understanding and everything because you know you you do mention that the, it is predominantly african-american but there are white players and people from different backgrounds and uh i think i think it was isaiah uh, in his comment had said uh, that you know it's it's all love within the building I mean they they love each other whether they're white black brown purple or blue I mean uh, it doesn't matter uh, because they're all 
teammates and they're all fighting for the common good of, of one kind of one goal. And I think that they could maybe uh, be kind of a, a good, I don't know, a, just a, a good example of, of what we can do as a society is, is to, to get, get along and love each other uh, regardless of, you know, the color of your skin or, or things of that nature. Yeah, and, and fans, like, you know, we always talk about athletes as role models for young kids. Like, this is one of the most basic things that the, these players can do is use their voices in, in that type of way to kind of influence the community um, because, you know, everyone has such a high opinion of the Razorbacks, you know, as an organization, maybe not as a, as a team right now, but um, – the whole state loves Razorbacks. So if they are talking about these issues, then maybe the community will be more open to talking about this stuff as well. Um, moving on to basketball. Man, we're really flying through this. No breaks. Ooh. Um, the Razorbacks, once again, have camp. Um, I think it goes through the end of the month. Um, Bebe Iola is still injured, but J.D. Note is slowly coming back from what I believe was a hand injury. Um, I think so. Wrong that. I haven't looked it up. Um, and then um, it just seems like the freshmen are coming along really, really well. Moses Moody is kind of embracing that role that he has now without Isaiah Joe as he prepares for the NBA draft once again. Um, something that we can talk about that came out from social media is Eric Musselman. He is just absolutely wiping the floor with all these other head coaches on social media. Um, and I, that's not really going to win you a national championship, but just being out in front of people and engaging, um, it, it's, it's obviously a positive for the program. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean, you, you, if you're active on social media and you, you're, you're not just being active on social media to be active, you know, sharing funny memes or whatever, uh, he's actually active and usually it has, there's a purpose. Uh, there, it's to, to put the po program in a positive light, get the program out there. Uh, you know, you may be a kid that plays basketball in California have no idea where Arkansas is on the map and know nothing about the Razorbacks. But if you see Eric Musselman on Twitter, you're like, hey, who, who is this crazy guy? I'm, I'm going to want to go play for him. I want to look into that. And who knows? Maybe that gets you a player or two. Uh, so I think it's, it's fantastic. I was not surprised in the least that he was number one in terms of – He also uh, tweets a lot. So obviously the impressions are going to be higher than guys who and hardly – A lot that. of them – I mean, because some of the tweets are, are just inspirational quotes that he, he's even told us that are mostly meant for uh, the, uh, like, coaching community, coaches that mm -hmm. follow him or whatever. Uh, but whenever he does do other stuff, funny stuff, I mean, that stuff goes viral. I mean, there was a time during the summer where that we were writing stories about Eric Musselman's tweets and how, you know, funny little things that he did. And I think he, he truly doesn't care – if people are laughing at him or with him or whatever, he just, he wants to, to get the program in front of as many people as possible. And he said that really stems from, from his dad. He, he's told a story about his dad when he was the coach at Minnesota, he used to carry, you know, uh, Golden Gophers t-shirts around and they'd be at a McDonald's or something. And they, he'd see people and say, Hey, you, you want a Minnesota shirt? And he'd hand out shirts everywhere and, and it's just a matter and it's the same same general thing I think that his dad would be using Twitter and social media just like that if, if he was coaching now so uh, really really cool to, to see that uh, kind of philosophy uh, go into effect and, and really have an impact.
Sam Pittman hardly ever tweets unless a commit has just made an announcement or something like that. But, you know, that man has bigger fish to fry, I think, honestly. Um, until the Razorbacks start pulling themselves out of the gutter, I don't care about that at all. Like, and and I don't think – I don't. it just kind of opens the door for trolls to comment underneath anyways. So no It's really also just a, a personality that. thing. I mean, it, Sam Pittman's personality is not – you know, look at me or whatever. Like I know, you know, Eric Musselman's not just saying, you know, look at me, but he's saying, look at my program. Sam Pittman, he goes at it a different approach. He, he wants to say, you know, here's what I'm doing with our team. Here's what our team has done. Now look at our team, what we've done on the field. And uh, it's just kind of Sam Pittman's personality. He's not a, a big social media guy. And I doubt he ever would be, even if Arkansas gets to be where they're a top 10 team. I, I just see him continuing uh, his – very sparse use of, of social media. Danielle Musselman showed me up this week because she finally got her Arkansas driver's license. And I say finally <laughs> because I haven't gotten mine. And I have lived here, I think, like two and a half years now, which is crazy to think about. about I was going to ask you if you ever had Arkansas that. plates. I saw you still have Texas plates. <laughs> it, you have to, like – pay a re-registration fee I think and that's what I'm trying yeah, to avoid I think so. right now yeah yeah you have to pay everything costs I've, it's it's a fact of life unfortunately I have not some of this stuff is a little crazy but you know hey it's part of being an adult <laughs> I've only been pulled over one time in my life though so knock on wood as long as I don't get pulled over you know the plates are fine uh, you know. I am I am super worried that like I'll get pulled over and, you know, my, my license is still from Texas. My plates are still from Texas. I could say, hey, I'm just a student going to the University of Arkansas. But then they'll see my name. And they'll be like, but you're on, I know you from Twitter. And then I you're just famous. the whole thing would fall apart. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do there. Um, uh, but you'd she, probably fine. <laughs> Danielle also had a fantastic roast of someone this week, um, a Nevada fan posted something about like how oh, don't you wish you were back here or whatever and she posted a picture of like the back of her house with the pool and everything and he was like yeah this place sucks and it was just like the biggest flex like their house is amazing um yeah she kills it I love it but I did feel pretty guilty when she finally got her ID and I still have not um quick plug um Jackson Collier our hoops our new hoops contributor he has a podcast with Ronnie Brewer coming out. I think it's already up on Spotify shortly on iTunes. So everybody should go check that out. Um, he's been working with Isaiah Joe to get him ready for the NBA draft. And he has quite a few good stories to share himself. So um, go check out the JC Hoops pod. It is on the Hogbeat Pods uh, channel on iTunes and Spotify. Hutch, thank you so much. Go take care of poor little Holly crying needs a bottle <laughs> yeah a good one. That, that's that's what babies do that's pretty much 24 <laughs> 7 <laughs> um oh real quick if you want 30 days free to hogbeat.com it's code h-a-w-g-s-30 if you are a first responder or a college student you can email me and get some pretty sick deals i'll, I'll just let you know in the email but email me at n chavanel at yahoo.com um, if you're spamming me, if you're from a foreign country and you want money, just stop it. Stop emailing me. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic week and weekend. We'll catch you next time on the Hogbeat Hour.